Good morning, and welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Typically, we'll do a little bit of news or articles, but uh, this is a pre-recorded episode, so we don't know what news is going to be out in (laughs) when this episode airs. So because of that, we're just going to jump into the main topic today, our main topic today, which was also in the description below. Uh, You'll be able to find the article that we're talking about today, an article from Datamark talking about organizations and the future of customer understanding through their fabric. It'll be interesting. This is this is kind of talking through some of those customer 360s. Do you really know your customer? What are you doing? Uh, and how that relates to what Fabric has kind of portrayed there as well. Anyways, let's uh, jump in and uh, we'll start uh, kicking off some, kicking the tires here on part of the article. Tommy, you want to give us kind of maybe an initial impression and start us off a little bit with the topic here? I, I love this article. Um, this, it's, it's a bit near and dear to my heart. Datamark's talking about how do we look at customers from a 360 holistic view from how do we market to them? How do we sell to them? And typically this has been a lot of systems. You think CRM, you think dynamics, you think Salesforce with fabric becoming more of a feature in what we do. Can the features of fabric mirroring shortcuts play a bigger role to provide an easier and maybe a finally a holistic view of the 360 customer analytics. So this is this is a little bit of a let, let's you know clarify a topic here. This is a spin on like fabric is the technology. A customer 360 is what does your customer do? Who do you sell to? How do you understand? You know what what makes their buying habits occur? You know how does that relate to your company? Um, and I think I think there's a couple points here in the very beginning of the article talking about this data doesn't always live in one single place all the time. And I think maybe the argument here kind of initially thinking about this article is, hey, there's going to be data all over the place, different systems, but you got to pull it together. Fabric could be one of those places where you pull together multiple metrics for a customer to understand what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. I think what I'd I'd love to do is brainstorm a little bit here, right? At the beginning, before we get Let's into do it. like the technology aspects, yeah. because I one of, I, I agree with Tommy from the standpoint and both of you, I think one of the greatest examples of probably one of the, the highest value propositions of business intelligence is this, right? Because for the vast majority of companies that I've interacted with, to to mark to data marks point here and to what Tommy's alluding to right away, like you you very rarely have a single system that tracks all this. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what type of business you're in, there's a, a large spectrum of you know where you store customer information in how you interact with them, like or your own customers, where you're trying to market new customers, like uh how are those marketing plans panning out? Are they resulting in new opportunities? What are, how do customers uh, like use your system? Are they happy? You know, et cetera. Like there's so much across the board here. Like what are your guys' some of your experiences as far as like the different points? If somebody's going to plug into this topic of the, you know, customer 360 view, I listed off a couple, but what are, what are some that you see and maybe like some of the systems that we see, you know, we need to pull data from. Well, I'm going to point out one that's very real and near and dear to our hearts. Um, We broadcast the podcast 
on many different media platforms. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one thing that we are, we're constantly trying to figure out is what topics are the ones that are resonating with listeners? I mean, very plain and simple. So this is, you know, you, you listening to this, I'm talking about you. <laughs> so, um, but we do this on Twitter. We do this on LinkedIn. We also do this on YouTube. And so each of those platforms has a system that captures data about who's listening, when they're listening to it, how many listens are occurring. And so none of those systems talk together. So even just for us, even at a simple level, you just, you know, things you're making data, you're making content, you're making something that's getting distributed everywhere. And not every tool has an easy method to get it out. Like the Spotify API is horrible. There is no really easy way to, to suck the data out of that system. And um, YouTube is okay, but it's not as easy as Google Analytics. So there's a whole bunch of like challenges with, you know, where, whenever you're, let me, let, me, let me step back one moment here. So that's, an, that's a specific example. In companies, I think they struggle to find that software that enables the ability to handle customers well, but then also blend that data with other customer metrics and data. Like mm-hmm. your purchase history probably doesn't live inside Salesforce. It, it probably lives in some kind of on-prem system where you identify that user and what they've purchased over time. You will need to join some of that Salesforce type data with other mm-hmm. data sources. And so the, the challenge I think here is that we're alluding to is the better 360 view of things turns out when you have all the sources kind of coming together and you can link users together. And with Google's kind of change in men- mentality here around websites and things, it's actually gotten harder to figure out where that user is and what is that user across multiple platforms. Yeah. And and you're just speaking from the marketing side um, too. There's honestly, there's two main areas of barriers that make this hard at most organizations. You have the technological side because there's three areas we're focusing on the audience. How do I track an audience? How do I track opportunities? And how do I track accounts from a pure technological side? You have to put in ample tracking and mm-hmm. none of these systems talk to each mm-hmm. other. If I have audience, well, there's no typically. customer ID. Yeah. Typically, typically speaking, yep. uh, whether you're B2B or B2C and again, audience opportunity and accounts are all different platforms, which need different systems, which need tracking already put in place for that to work, which usually don't talk to each other. The other side is the business, which usually is a barrier. How do I know I'm spending money the right way? If I'm marketing towards someone, am I getting bang for my buck? Are these campaigns effective? If we're doing opportunities, there's all these sales funnels that we have to try to track. Okay, how long should we talk to someone? Is this an ample opportunity? Again, so those two main areas make this very hard for us to track audience opportunity accounts from a technological side and the same area from the business, which are really the hardest part of getting this from an analytical point of view. The last thing too, is we're also dealing usually with the row based databases, right? We're not dealing with analytical designed uh, uh, database designs. They're meant to look at a single account. So this makes it already harder for us. Uh, So we have a lot of barriers uh, just dealing with this from a business intelligence side. Yeah, 
There's yeah, one no, of the there's one yeah I mean the only other one I, I I've experienced also is there there's typically an opportunity depending on um, levels of area or business like it, it's not just revenue generation but it also could highlight cost savings for the organization mm-hmm. as well right ensuring that all of your um, you know customers are using the platform in the right way are on the right plan are purchasing the things the right way et mm-hmm. cetera et cetera so it's it's, it's a really large scope that produces many different i think types of reports that are extremely valuable to a business yeah and i think the the real important part here is not just the tracking but expressing the article it's getting <clears throat> excuse me it's getting right the 360 view from acquisition to opportunity to account that is the hardest part that a lot of organizations don't have the design in place of getting that holistic view. Can I see the person I brought in through this mm-hmm. campaign to do X, Y, and Z? And now how are they faring now? They have all the pieces in place, but they can't connect all the systems. And and I would, I mean, I feel like there's, yes, I think this is like, you know, the data challenge, right? The, why the data is an issue to get it out of the systems and get it into a central system. I also think there's a, a business. You, you mentioned something about the business, Tommy, and I think, I think not every tool is purchased by the same team all the time. That's a good point. Yeah. And so I think I've observed this a couple times in talking with organizations. And at the end of the day, like every tool adds some level of value to an organization. Bar none, it works. Yep. However, whether or not those tools talk to each other. And I think there's, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to correctly articulate this, but like, where is the real value in these tools coming from? So you may have a customer relationship management system, a CRM system that's sitting out there. That system may have a good amount of value. It may have some AI built into it. It may be this really easy way thing that integrates with your emails. Uh, it may even be able to listen to like your phone calls and track those and kind of, you know, put a summary together of what you talked about to the client things. All that data is fine and dandy, but it lives in that system. So like the challenge I find here is organizations find these really rich tools that are third party tools that do a lot of great things. But when it comes back to, OK, now we need to figure out the plan to get the data out and suck it into or aggregate it or pull it out and then think about, okay, well, how does that data, you know, even just a simple metric, like number of emails sent to customer, mm-hmm. how does that correspond to, does this customer stick with us long-term? Do we know any more about them because of this? So just because you're collecting the data, just because you're going to go out and buy that tool, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to integrate very well with your rest of your system. And so, in the article here from Data Mark, he's talking a lot about like the Microsoft ecosystem, right? It's dynamics. It's Can you hang there for a second. Fabric. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yep, go ahead. No, I I agree with you, right? But like, why do business why do business areas like buy into these tools? Because it's solving a business problem. It does I agree? Right. That I I think I think the other touch point that that you're you're scratching here is something that we've talked a lot about where. Um, organizational units will typically operate like 
in silos, right? Like agree. I'm I'm this group. Here's mm-hmm. our problem. We're gonna go solve it. How do we solve that? Oh, hey, someone's used this tool before, or they have budget. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna review these tools to solve these problems as opposed to custom deving it because we can just plug in. Then we're gonna get taught how to use the tool and it's gonna solve this problem. I think all of the questions after that. So it's solving a problem for them, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. The next steps to that, though, and where you're going to go with the Microsoft ecosystem, I think speak largely to why we are pushing these these narratives or conversations around um, data culture and especially data literacy, because this that is where you solve start solving the silos of this stuff when business people in those initial conversations where they're choosing platforms to solve their problems know that yeah it's a third party system i'm going to i'm going to have a need to plug this into our data how do i how do you guys help us facilitate that aspect and that's where also at the same time like we come at this i think differently than any other part of the organization as business intelligence people because we have a foot in IT and a foot in business. And these are the data challenges and things we struggle with on a daily basis. But if you think about holistically, we probably have one of the best views or understandings of like the business health from a data perspective. And that's exactly what we're trying to bring or why you would go down those data culture initiatives so that everybody starts to understand at least the basics of plugging stuff together. And, and, and this is really heavy what Seth is saying because I don't, I don't think you can really de-emphasize how important it is to refine your statement, Mike. You said that the business is solving problems with these tools. I'm going to refine that to say the departments are uh, solving problems. Yes. Because typically I agree. it's great utilization and great value for that department, but it's not thought of in a holistic view of how does this tie into the overall organization. Correct. I buy an organ a marketing tool or say Google Analytics, and it serves a great purpose for us. But as soon as the conversation comes up of how do we tie this and everything else, that's never been conceived. That's never been thought of. Okay, what's the next step? All I know is my social media campaigns are great because I bought Sprout or I bought Buffer or whatever the product is. Yeah. Or and that's usually the problem. This was my life. We're explaining the first years of my life in BI was trying to tie in all these different technological tools to get this holistic view because that's eventually what everyone wanted to see. Yes. And I want to jump into your, I love the comment, Tommy. Yeah. And that's a really good distinction there on department level analytics. It's solving department level problems, which is great. Again, I'm not, the idea here is I'm not trying to poo poo this idea oh. of like, hey, don't go buy third party tools. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I, I think, Seth, you hit the nail on the head here when you start talking about when you took you knew where I was going with things and, and you 100 percent read my mind on the way through this, um, meaning. There is there is a level of, hey, we need to at least holistically think about the integration of that data coming back together. And so whatever third party tool you're going to go get, fine, go get it. Not a big deal. But there is a moment in time where you're like, if I'm going to use these other tools, what is the characteristic I care about in those tools that I need to bring back to either tie the day together, a customer ID, something that's important because you have central data somewhere. There needs to be at least a conversation around 
okay, you're going to go buy that tool. Is your intent to keep that tool in a vacuum and never join it back to comp company data? And they may say, oh, yes, it is. We're going to do our own thing. And that might be just a naive lens on thinking through how this data looks. But we know in a lot of these projects, there's always some need to come back and say, well, okay, how do I know the user engaged with our product on Twitter as well as watched our YouTube tutorial and then did something else or engaged with some sort of ad that we spent money on? At the end of the day, we want to make sure that whatever we're spending our money on is producing the most effective return to, to get customers in the door. Our cost to acquire customers, we want to bring that as low as possible. And that's what these tools yeah. are trying to do is to bring that customer acquisition cost or the retention of existing customers as low as possible. Yeah. And and I would I would not argue, but I believe like this is where and why organizations have start to create rigor around who can purchase what. Because yes. if if you don't interject like this is where does the tool have an output that we can extract data for the core information that we would want to know that you're solving the problem for in that application? If the answer is no, like in my mind, you immediately throw it out. Because mm -hmm. I, you guys, I'm sure, have also dealt with this where it's like, eh, they kind of, there's a little lip service, but then the minute you like you know, ask for something or try to engage and do you have an API, do you have access to this? Or, oh yeah, we have an API, but when it comes down to like the one table you need, mm -hmm. they, they don't have access to that one. You would need to purchase the next level. The premium. Like the, the, the premium for data, right? I'm all about premium for aggregated. If you went through all the exercise of taking the system and modeling it and simplifying it and, and giving me value yep. out of that, premium me up, man, right? But if it's just the data, mm, big problem there, bud. Like, uh-uh. Not, not going to sign on with you. Well, it's not enough just for the data to have the extraction. And I think the unintended consequence that we haven't even discussed is each of these systems, they may output data, but what becomes is that data becomes siloed. And the longer you wait, right. that becomes that department's metrics and goals based on that system, based on how that system measures it. It's not mm. enough for just the data to extract it. I need that data to talk to the other systems right. and I need to have that plan there. Uh, and I, I've seen this where it's like, well, we've been using this system for this long. This is where our metrics are coming from. As soon as the BI starts integrating it and the metrics change, because now it's evaluated based on other, um, uh, other filtering or how the organization wants to see it. They're like, this doesn't match our systems tools. This doesn't match what the output of our, our what we see in the UI. So therefore, the source of truth is going to stay with us in what we see. And the longer you wait, you get that unattended silos of how people measure. But more importantly, it's about can the systems and the tools talk to each other? Have you created a way, a plan, not just to get the data into tables, yeah. but to actually have that, okay, I do have a customer ID that I can bounce between each tool. Yeah, yes. and, I, and I agree with that, but that's kind of outside. I would say that's outside the scope of like business intelligence, right? Like that is that is platform integration. Okay, right? Because I would I would argue it would be fantastic if all like the core third party systems that you're using carry the same account ID, right? That would have been or, great to know back you, in the day. Yeah, because there are. I mean, they have. Yeah. We aren't yeah. the only ones using APIs. We just use them <laughs> to extract data, 
right? right? The vast majority of these tools have application or APIs that you can interject or insert data into as well, hmm. right? And for this very purpose, right? if I want to, if I'm going to create something in your system, the reference point for my other ones is this one. And, yeah. you know, I think that comes to, so the API message here, uh, so I'm going to maybe change the conversation slightly sure. towards Fabric a little bit here, but API stuff, anything that's API is amazing. I mean, and based on what third-party tool you buy, that API mileage may vary, right? Some, some tools are going to have a really rich API and will let you get down to all the detail you need. Other systems don't have a really rich API. And I find the systems that don't have a very solid API are ones that are built on more, I'll call it legacy technology. They're not modern web apps. Yeah. They're not modern infrastructure. It's, it, again, this is my impression. It feels more older type web technology. It's a, a company that has built a, an application that has a full backend that's a server. It's not forward thinking like, you know, a static web app or, or more modern solutions. I think more modern solutions require that there are more APIs to make the, the app performant. But yeah. that being said, Fabric, I think when you talk about Power BI previously, right? So before Fabric showed up, Power BI had a hard time talking to APIs in general because you had to do all this kind of complex work inside Power Query. And Power Query is not, has not been the easiest tool in my experience to just go suck out a bunch of data and, oh, by the way, we're going to return to you this really complex JSON object. You now need to parse through this thing and flatten it out to something you can actually understand. Like it's it's just not good at that. Now, however, Fabric shows up, notebooks do a much better job of being able to go grab data from APIs. It's it's more code based. It's it's Python. It's there are libraries you can use off the shelf that make it much easier for you to communicate to these APIs. So I I feel like you know, because RBI was purely data flows, semantic models and reports previously, what we've added in addition to data flows is we've added a whole bunch of other really rich data engineering tools. Now we have things that are like real-time analytics. We have streaming analytics. We have re, um, Reflex. And now we have Spark with Notebooks. That gives, again, another option to go collect that data. So I feel like the API layer of things is getting easier to integrate with and becoming less of a headache because we have new technology. Now, it's not simple. You still have to write code. So it's not like a, a UI where you can click through buttons and things. And even Dataflows is getting better in general. I think they've got like an API, an open API endpoint feature now. Uh, but an OAuth token request going through data flows is not, great it's not easy. <laughs> I, I would not recommend it. I mean, it's just not a simple experience. Um, so another situation here that I think is also evolving with Fabric is these third-party companies realize Fabric or Microsoft Power BI is a very large driving force for organizations to get data out. And so I'm also seeing while Microsoft is building a richer tool to collect the data, other companies are also acknowledging, wow, our customers ask us for, hey, I got to go connect to this data in Power BI. I want to visualize it outside of our program. We should provide a series of APIs that are going to make it easier for you to connect to it via Power BI or go copy the data out or collect the data. So I think it's a double, it's, 
it's like coming attacking the problem from two directions. Microsoft's doing a better job, and other companies are hearing Microsoft is doing a better job, and customers are asking for those features. So more companies are building into their products. Here's a button where you can just go connect to Power BI. Here's a button where you can go, you know, here's the instructions on how to connect to that system and get data out of it. It's a big point you said too about prefabric and where we are today, because even if we had all that integration with what Power BI was pre-May 2023, hmm? it lived in a, it was finalized in the semantic model or the data set back in also May, right? So even sure. if I had all this neat, nifty integration, the best I could do was create data flows to integrate these tables, but yep. it was still going to only live in a semantic model. That was the end point. To your point, uh, with notebooks and libraries we can install, by the way, you said something that Microsoft, if you're listening, please allow custom libraries for Power Query. That sounds incredible. <laughs> like a pie pie, yeah, like having, mm -hmm. My gosh, but we have all these integrations that have already been available to allow us now to not just have the endpoint be a semantic model, but the endpoint be a, a lake house for all of these integrations, utilizing the same knowledge and expand expanded knowledge of notebooks of Python of data flows and pipelines, and still also Power Query. If that was kind of my jam, I can utilize all of this, and it doesn't have to have a uh, um, you know end of route with the semantic model that's the that's really where i think data mark is really talking about this becomes more realistic for this to be a 360 view of fabric being that location yeah because you're going to have just piles of third-party specific data for customers that are going to need to be landed somewhere right you're going to need to investigate what those piles of data look like and then figure out, okay, what do we do to stitch them together? Right. And then, and so again, it's really, it's just really this true, you know, semantic models were like too refined for what we need here. For a customer 360, you really need like the data warehouse. I just need a place to just yeah. land data, figure out what to do with it, and then shape it into what we want to do. And in every yeah. project I've ever been on, nothing ever comes out of those third-party tools or a source system correctly in the right format. So you're always doing some shaping, no matter what. I have those models in Power BI desktops, and those are the ones I did not want to open. Because like, because, I, I can't imagine trying to do that without the enterprise tooling. Oh, oh 100%. Oh, man, I have stories. You got to close every yeah. application. And on that's, that's, what, that's, that's where my, my head went immediately with this is, you know, it, it's not like these are solving the customer 360 problem without a landing zone prior mm -hmm. to model. Yep. Also like, and we yep. didn't talk about this, I think also is one of the most important things when you're doing a customer 360, because like what you're presenting is if you went straight from those systems to a model, that's current state only ever, just like those third party systems. Yep. And one of the largest thing, one of the biggest value adds from a customer 360 perspective is there are, tons of data points within here that if you're tracking on on a captured state which you're doing with enterprise tooling where you're plugging this in and pushing the data somewhere you can you can show trends you can show what's happening in those third-party systems over time because you're ingesting the data and that's massively valuable especially when it comes down to like the opportunity part of it I, I will tell you, Power BI, you can be very creative. I have schemas and tables because we wanted to do the customer journey. 
and they wanted to power bi uh I, it can it can handle a lot power bi can do so much more than just obviously we want to follow the best practices oh, oh, but oh there it is there it is oh, obviously there. we don't well yes does it provide the flexibility to go way off the reservation uh-huh it can and, be i mean you it stretched, can be an answer. you yeah. stretched it you stretched it timmy. okay yeah tommy tommy timmy <laughs> what was i gonna say what wait hold on what was i saying what that was a disagreement no you're not you oh, stretched disagreement. It. like you 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 did things let's just not talk about it. we we did th- yeah <laughs> yes. not, yes. I, I am i still am proud of this was 2016 2017 <laughs> and they want a customer every uh like the customer journey every touch point without actually having those tables but we did it and it worked very slowly but it worked and and these are these um in any power bi developer's life you go back and look one year two years three years and you'll be like what was i doing i've learned so much since then i mean and this is where i think you know this is why i think it's very important for organizations to think about what does their to your we're talking a little bit about data culture here but that really alludes to you really do need a plan to continually invest in your team. Anyone who's touching or building or creating with Power BI, it's very relevant for you to like continue investing in them through a team, get them in front of people who are doing better stuff, get them in front of real modeling tools, like training and yeah. programs, because that helps everyone elevate their, their skills and then it gets better over time. I think when that's one of the opportunities here coming, right? Like, so if we're going from the Power BI event where you know, like there, there are some deficiencies in how we connect to extract and or stage data prior mm-hmm. to a model. That fabric opens the doors to that. So I, I, I do agree with that stance as far as like taking, um, you know, the view into this into this article. And part of that conversation too with Fabric is, I think no matter what we had with customer journeys or uh, customer review in a semantic model, the life cycle or the lifespan of that model was always going to be short. Um, just because, again, that was the end point. And we kind of live in this area now where if I have this higher level view where the data lives farther upstream in a Power BI, in a sense, interface, Fabric, we're really allowed more to, I don't want to say control this, the flow of data or control the intelligence as much, but we're not at the whims of all the problems we talked about at the beginning of this episode. We were talking about the inability to integrate with the data. You know, we're kind of, we're at the, um, we're at the hands of if the data is already integrated or not. Like we have that ability now to control that more. And we have a more of the ability to kind of have the conversation on what systems are being applied, or at least I'm kind of spitballing here, but if we have more control upstream in fabric from the business side, not just, uh, and the it side, and we know the data that's coming in we're trying to connect it. We have a better argument to say that, Hey, what systems are you using? Let's have a better conversation on how we're integrating this because yes. we're not just dealing with a semantic model. We're dealing with something that, we're trying to, we're almost be, becoming a bit of the systems integrator here, no? Yes, and I, and I think to your no. point there, no. I think the business, I don't think the business understands always the challenges of why data won't just connect together. There's, a, there's, a, there's, yeah. a, there's potentially a naivete around like, they're naive to like, well, why can't the customer be found in YouTube and versus here versus here? 
Well, here, here's why. Here's why these different systems. And I think until you can really articulate, look, we have we can we can join the data based on these three characteristics, but it's just a guess, right? And you know, it also determines like if the customer entered their name correctly or their email correctly, or if they use the same email, then yes, we could track them across these systems. But there's not an identifier that we know for sure that that person is the same person. So I think what you find is, to your point earlier, the the initial semantic model will likely have to change as the business understands more of how the different systems need to integrate. So there's, it's going to have to evolve and change and shift. And this is why Fabric makes a lot of sense because it helps with that evolving and shifting. You're able to come back to your system and look at it, all the information there and say, oh, I do need to adjust or change or modify what data we're pushing into these systems so that it makes more sense. And when we tie it back together at the end, we can actually design the full circle. Yeah, and if I had a hundred button or a like button on my desk, I would be repeatedly hitting it right now because you're you're spot on. I'll, I'll rephrase what I was saying to I think to make a little more sense. If we're already integrating the data in Power BI Desktop and from these systems, it's already too late for us to have the argument because mm -hmm. it's already some structured. But because we can get more of the raw version of it in Fabric, and we have a, a higher level view or uh, more upstream that allows us to have that conversation um before it's too late i think i, I agree with that i i semantics words matter i'm that guy sure I, I i don't like the word integrating i like the word probably consolidating or okay. I, I i get what you mean but like when we talked about the other point there's a difference yeah. between those systems integrating with one another so that they pass the same data together Okay. When we connect to those systems, that is not our job. Yeah. What we want to do is make sense of and make meaning out of the data and provide you insights that you can't see individually in each one of those systems. It's the combined sets of data that make the mo that provide the value. And that's the only point I want to make here is like whatever we call it, whether or not we're integrating, like merging, transforming those, you know, all the data sets consolidating them together on the keys on the things that make them work obviously there's going to be like the, the buckets there's our two percent which is our perfect data <laughs> right? like 50% is like in a state of somewhat needs repair and the other 48% is irreparably damaged go no, fix go fix it no one knows what's going on system <laughs> right <laughs> but it, there that there's a lot of that True. and that's like that that's what I'm just saying. We integration. Yeah, okay, fine. Yes, we, we're integrating all of the data from the systems into a platform that we're we're trying to enable the business to access that data holistically, not individually in each particular area. So I'm pulling up my sleeves right now because I'm I'm ready. I'm trying to get past it, but I just can't right now, Seth. We have this amazing integration tool from a business and IT that allows us, allows us to actually have a platform that we can do the holistic view of integration. Why wouldn't that be our job if that's not available? If we're always blamed that the data doesn't connect sure. and we can't get this analytical solution. What do you mean the data doesn't connect? So to Mike's point where it's like, why can't we connect YouTube and my CRM system? I, I need to see my YouTube views what? per cost. To do, to do you what? Need to see, you need to see the YouTube views per cost, okay? 
Sure. Whatever the metric is that's coming from different mm -hmm. systems. Yeah. And we now actually have that capability. This was my capability or my responsibility at one point on the BI side to try to make sense of these different systems. How so you, they can, how do you fix How do you fix that data? We had to, we had to create tracking. We created the tracking. Right. That's not yeah. fixing it. That's identifying where it's broken. I think what and, Seth is, was alluding to is more of the, um, you know, as data comes in, you're actually looking at data and you're pushing it. An integration would mean a two-way street between okay. the I fabric see. environment and then what is in that other system. Right. Now, it's, it, it doesn't say you can't do that. I mean, there's maybe some more grayer lines here around, okay, let's look at Power Automate. Let's look at um, other in the notebooks in Python. You could potentially push data out to other systems, talk to an API, and not only just read it in, but also push it back out too. So okay. yeah, I do think we can do some level of integration with Fabric. It's possible. Do I see a lot of organizations doing that right now? Probably not yet. I'll I'm reframe, hearing... Yeah, I'll reframe from the word uh, integrate because I see what you're saying, the two-way street. Yes. What I'm saying is let's call it connecting where yes. we're actually having an ID or we're creating that customer account or whatever that ID is between different systems. It's not living in that tool, so it's not integration, but at least in, living in that tool. I have to create some semblance between multiple systems of a single customer ID, whether it's one has email, the other has some, you know, transaction ID or some account ID. The other has an, uh, customer address. None of them have the same single customer ID in all the systems. So I need to find a way because they're all matter. They all want that right. analytical solutions. You're talking about customer master. You're talking, you know, making Some that customer, customer master right. something. In, in this example, in this example, which is very common. Um, and rather than doing it in the tool where we're pushing, which would be the integration, pushing a single master customer ID, we have that ability to do that in fabric now, or some semblance of it if it's not available by our business. I don't want to say we have that responsibility to kind of connect and merge all of these tools together, but that allows us the opportunity. And I don't know why we wouldn't take more of a proactive point of this if we don't have that already. I, don't really, would, I wouldn't argue too much around that thing as well. I, um, well, I, maybe it's two different ways to solve it, right? I, I guess if, if I'm going for a, an end-to-end -end solution, um, and, and sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes like what, are, what I'm saying is if it is imperative for the business to understand that, um, Tommy, to your point, you know, let's, uh, drop back. If, if I'm uh, trying to acquire companies, uh, try to acquire somebody and that fall. And so that's my marketing. If I'm in an opportunity or an account, that's my CRM. Um, and then anything downstream after that, it integration, it, like if it's important for the business to understand how those things tie together, then those two systems that store the source information should at least communicate on a base level with one another. That should be the ideal if they I don't, which agree. predominantly they won't. Correct. Um, moving towards a, Hey, here's why these things need to like, we're going to create a campaign that, um, has this hook in it. And then when we create an opportunity, we're going to reference that, or we're going to talk to somebody and we're going to get that hook. And we'll understand that 
Now we have a connection between this up, this new opportunity, this account, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's what I think businesses should engage with in integrating mm-hmm. like core parts of the system so they aren't completely siloed. Yeah. The reason I say that is all we do from a business intelligence perspective is consolidate, provide insight. We aren't the system of record. So the more we create data architectures or data systems that the only place that logic could ever exist or be is in a platform that's just designed to produce information about your source systems. I I, I don't, I'm not saying like we, it, we can't do it. We shouldn't do it because there's a lot of precedents around having to do it, but there should also be a way for these source systems to clean themselves up so that our system like is also then part of it, it, pulling the right stuff and not having to fabricate its own entity for the business. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's my only point. So whatever. I, I like that point. And I think what I'd like to maybe just slightly adjust the conversation here towards is in Mark's wrap up, he talks about things that are in fabric that make it easier for you to do exactly what you're saying, Seth, like the system, like, to your point, Tommy, right? There is going to be problems and disconnects between systems. Someone will need to go in and figure out what those relationship pieces look like. And, or we will likely have to produce reporting that says this stuff's wrong. Here's, here's where there's disconnects. So we produce the reporting around, here's where the source system has missing, inaccurate, not right information. And then we produce the reports around the observation of that Hmm. and then go back to that team and say, okay, here's, here's rules that we've run. Here's some information that you've provided to us. And we're able to say, these things are wrong. Please go fix it. And so the whole idea here is that the source system is always getting cleaner or cleaned periodically. And this is anyways, there's more things to say on that one for now, but in the last portion here, Mark starts talking about like, there are shortcuts. There's these things called mirroring in fabric where you can have a single data table that lives in a place and you can mirror or copy or do a read only copy of that table. You're only copying the metadata, but the table still lives in its original location. And I have found personally in the last couple of weeks, working with Direct Lake, working with data sets that connect to objects in Lakehouse, boy, do I really like these newer features that are data, let's call it data virtualization inside Fabric. Wow. They're that, very... That's the objects within Fabric. That's the objects within Fabric. But right. but I'm really saying like, and if you, inside Fabric, it works really well. And it, it also... Th- you know, other things that the Microsoft's trying to produce. If I think about like Amazon, what's stuff going on there? There's storage accounts that are happening there that you could put data in and you can go read that data with a shortcut, meaning I can go look at it, read it, but I don't have to consume or copy it over to another cloud, which saves me a ton of time. Um, Cosmos DB and SQL Server, right? These tools can appear as if they are a standard table inside your fabric environment, but the data stays where it lives. You're, you're not actually doing anything against it. You're not moving the data out of its source system. So one of the challenges I think that the business always faces is how do we get our reporting to look as close to what's in the actual system that the data is coming from, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm looking at... Well, if I have this view in the system, why doesn't it look the same here? 
Ex- exactly right. 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 And and there's this always idea of like, okay, well, we're taking nightly loads, we're copying it over. So you may make a change in the source system, but it doesn't appear for days later or something along along those lines. It's, so it's it's an it's again a data culture and educational thing that has to happen. But I think Microsoft is really attacking these things. And I one thing I think is really good here. I think it's genius that Microsoft is looking at like making Snowflake an integrated connection as like a shortcut directly into Power BI because then Snowflake can be retained by IT and the organization to do whatever they got to do with the Snowflake side of things or Amazon or whatever, whatever other teams you're working with. Yeah. Then you just directly connect to it. And again, I'm not worried about copying the data. I'm just accessing their system and reading the data out of it. So I think that's where I'm really enjoying the features of Fabric. And I've been very impressed with the speed and the ease, which these other integrations like shortcuts are working for, for models. And one really clear example that I had was we were looking at testing a model and had the opportunity to create a model on top of some tables with tabular editor. We're like, Oh, we're not sure if that if something doesn't seem right. The model doesn't seem to be correct. So we were able to spin up new workspaces very quickly, go in, create the workspace. And with Tabular Editor 2, we are able to de- redeploy that model to a brand new workspace with different configurations, different settings, different options. But all the original data was in its, which was directly like to the original location. So within you know, seconds or minutes, I had redeployed a brand new model made some changes, was able to tweak it, adjust it without actually having to have an import. And this was a 28 gigabyte model. This was huge. So I could let the data lie where it lives and almost, you know, direct query over the lake information itself. It was very impressive to see what it, see what it was doing here. Um, and we were able to spin up two more models just by ta- playing with things. So this whole data virtualization thing, I think is underrated. I think direct lake is a feature that is underrated right now. And more organizations should be focusing on like those parts of fabric shortcuts, you know, direct lake, these kind of things I think will add a lot of value and potentially speed up your whole ecosystem. If I don't have to spend in, in the old in the old Power BI world before fabric, your main two measures of calculations came from rendering the front end, and the other one was your back end just refreshing the models. So every time you get a load on a data model, you saw compute through the roof. And that's just how I observed it. Whatever it is, that's that's an expensive operation to do. If I can now use other tools or connect to other tools without having to do that, virtualize that data, all those large spikes in loading information now can disappear. The speed in which I update those those data tables are now dependent on the source system and not what I can do in Fabric. Well, so it's going to create a different kind of problem because if if you're mirroring into a source system and you're hammering it hard, where true. is the load of that? It's the source true. system. Yes. Right. So there there is going to be reliance just in a different place. Correct. I guess I, I guess the the key word that I missed when first reading this article was the future, um, <laughs> because so, some of the things you're uh, there. There's two things I'd like I'd like to kind of because kind of outline one is all of the things that we talked about are one of the largest data engineering problems that 
individuals have to to deal with whether yep. whether or not you're doing those engineering as the bi developer or you have dedicated people doing data engineering tasks where you're plugging into a source system sure. extracting data then the hard part is replicating what the business logic was from that source system in mm -hmm. your new data set right where am i excited about the potential of mirroring if that is going to solve some of those problems, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is it there? No, right. And that's like if I if I look at things how they're released. So what Data Mark is implying here in the article is he assumes, and that's a big assumption, that Microsoft is going to start plugging into third party systems. Okay, how many third party systems did we already just talk about in this conversation? Yeah. Yep. Right. That's a good point plug into third the third party systems look at a table okay that would mean that they're like take you know dynamic crm that would mean that that third party system would instantiate that view and and their ui view mm -hmm. of that table in a mirrored application that i could go plug into now I, if you're familiar there are many columns and things that you can create in those systems Salesforce included, that will only show in that application. When you go connect to that, even with like uh, the Salesforce connector right now, you you will not see a whole bunch of the you know dynamically driven measures and calculations and things that Salesforce is, has now added in as capabilities into those tables. Well, now we're we're assuming that mirroring is going to pick that up. Because otherwise, I can't reference that table. I have to do the same exact thing I did. And, and mirroring is only going to get me the object itself, at which point I need to do all the transformations again. Mirroring, in my mind, would be the most powerful thing if it kept the everything the business uses in their views and the business logic right, right in the source location. Then I'm 100% on board with this idea. But that's a lot of ifs <laughs> like in there. And, that and that's, back, and that's yeah. my only point, right? Because right now, mirroring, if we're talking and people aren't familiar, mirroring only connects to SQL databases or Azure SQL, right? Mm -hmm. And Cosmos DB because yes. there's a structure under there. Yes. So those are Microsoft owned. Those are enterprise grade. Those are, you know, relationships are, you know, are what they are. There's no views or added filtering or things like that. And I think when we're talking about this topic, mirroring is, is the most important part of this mythical future of making this customer 360 thing work really, 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 really well. You yeah. bring up shortcuts, you bring up all those, but that's after we get the data into the fabric ecosystem that I a hundred percent agree with, like keep the data where it's at in the form, whatever, allow us to connect to it light years ahead, right? Mm -hmm. The platform itself, love the idea takes away all of the complex complexity that enterprise systems have to do today where you have your orchestration tool you have your storage you have your processing you have all this stuff it's all together but this customer 360 is the e initial etl part of it and, and i think you hit the nail on the head because to your point this has to be holistic or it's nothing if the, the mirroring does not include those columns or those tables, which are usually what the business is relying on or dependent on or critical, right? Then it doesn't matter if it's not, uh, it doesn't matter if it's not part of the mirroring because it's not going to be vital. Those are, the, those are those columns, those dynamic columns that, oh no, everything lives 
through those fields or metrics that we've custom created. Yeah. And that is critical. Again, if it doesn't have that, it's nothing. Um, and I'm going through the, from the reference point from the mirroring and the integration side of, I know we know I could close my eyes, throw a dartboard, at a list of companies and go, Oh, you have problems. You throw the actual dartboard or the dart oh, at the dart. Throw the dart. Actually, you know what? Well. We're going to change it up. I'm going to throw <laughs> the dart at the dart. Yeah. Uh, throw the dartboard. You just put the dart on the wall and you throw the board <laughs> at throw the, the dart. That's a, a t-shirt. Is that why I've never wanted darts? Okay. No, like, no. So, uh, that's why you have a lot of holes in your walls. <laughs> I have a lot of holes. Yeah, not a lot of wins. Not a lot um, of wins. Discus. But, yeah, but a, a list of organizations, and I could tell you that they have problems with sales and marketing data integrating. But and it's to I think Seth's point a hundred percent. Where great in theory, the mirroring's great, but it has to be holistic. Yeah, I think I think this is going to continue. I mean, this is part of the reason why we have jobs and still will have jobs for a long period of time in the future. Cause there's, there's just so many things mechanically to work out with where data is coming from, how to get it there. Where do you store it? How, to, how is it going to blend together? Um, these are not going away. And, and I mean, for all the really cool things that AI is doing these days, I don't see AI doing this kind of stuff yet. I think it'll be a good supplemental help to a lot of what we're doing already, but it feels like a lot of this, I mean, I, I We'll have to see where the products go in the future, but I don't think AI is going to solve these problems anytime soon. So for that standpoint, we still have a good solid job moving forward for at least a little while longer. If you well, do want to see AI in action and working, though, it's true. It's true. Yeah. The tips plus themes generator. We will throw out a little. That's a good. Is, is, this, going new, is this going to be a new challenge? On how many episodes can I throw AI into every conversation? So at some point, um, with that, we'll we'll kind of do a wrap here, but um, we do really encourage you to go check out the new uh, Power BI Tips Plus. So themes.powerbi.tips, go check it out. We now have a new feature on the tool that allows you to go ahead and generate your scrims. And then from your scrim, you can generate positions of your visuals on those scrims automatically. It's pretty dang slick. We really like it. It's getting the features pretty cool. It'll save you a ton of time. Uh, just using the tool once, I think, would save you enough time to justify the cost for a full year at that point so anyways with that being said we really appreciate your listenership uh we thank you very much for for talking with us and talking through this topic today let's do a quick wrap up here on final thoughts around this topic uh, i'll just jump over here to tommy tommy what is your final thought around this topic I, I think the biggest thing is we're getting closer and closer and if you haven't looked at fabrics capabilities with from an engineering higher level point of view of we're no longer living in the semantic model. This is another point in that favor. Seth, any kind of final thoughts as you kind of wrap up what kind of keen insights you're pulling away from this one? Yeah. Specifically around this topic, I would say just keep your eye on mirroring and, and how much, uh, how many different sources or what types of connections can be made because from simplifying the data engineering journey, especially in a representative example of like the customer 360, mm -hmm. the the more investment there is massive time savings, I, I think potentially, and keeping source data that is transformed, that is business owned in that location without us having to replicate that or, or recreate that in our environment, which would be an amazing time saver. After that, the system's already almost in place, right? Like not almost, fabric's already there, yep. right? Shortcuts in the ecosystem, things are working really well. It's just that part, keep an eye on that. 
Um, and don't like this is one of those lo- lines of like make make sure reality butts up with expectation, right? Mirroring mm-hmm. mirroring is key in in how many different data sources they plug into. I think from my takeaway from this one really is talking about um, the data culture is very important here, and I think we have to realize we cannot force every single business unit to always pick the best tool for the solution for the from the yeah. data perspective. So it will be messy. As best as you can, work on your organization to talk about the data culture. What do you want to do with the data, and have at least a voice on the decision board around okay. We're going to go pick XYZ new cool tool that has some maybe some really amazing AI in it that's going to help you do whatever your business unit job is. Great. We love that. I want to encourage that. But I always want to have the conversation around, okay, so what what now after you use the tool? How does the data come back? And is there any considerations for what organizational data needs to join with data generated in 30 third-party tools? Because I think whenever I'm picking tools either my company or helping other companies decide one of one of the criteria pieces is how well can I integrate with it? How well can I get the data out? That's going to be very important. So that's kind of my, my, my nugget there around data culture and things with that. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate everyone listening. We only ask if you found this topic insightful, if you found it a little bit more thought provoking around thinking through what a customer 360 is, and maybe some of these challenges resonate with you. Or if you're not there yet and you're trying to pick a third-party tool that you're going to use with Fabric, potentially, listen for these kinds of things. We're telling you this this will happen. You're going to hear people asking for details and integration steps. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I know what's kind of going on here. We've talked to the podcast about that. So anyways, please share it with somebody else, someone else who may find this valuable. We really appreciate your uh, sharing of the episodes. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It helps us out a ton. Do you have a question, an idea, or a topic that you want us to talk about in a future episode? Head over to powerbi.tips podcast. Leave your name and a great question. Join us live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation on all Power BI Tips social media channels. Which, by the way, is not integrated with our normal data platform data, which, you know, we already we are we already have internally the same problem. We we've used third party <laughs> tools that have no data in them that we can get to through Power BI or if Fabric you yet. Saw my Power Query just to get the freaking YouTube data. I know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Generate it's, it's, list and dynamic you know if Tommy things. didn't stop just picking rando tools to use things, I mean we would have had such a better time <laughs> integrating all the data together. So yeah, there should have been some governance real, around that. Real out of the box tools, YouTube and Spotify. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time.